<laughs> All right, John. Uh, we are one day into COVID nineteen uh, self quarantine. Uh, how are you holding up? I am. I am hanging in there. And I'm dying. The only, the only thing keeping me grounded is Homestuck. <laughs> I, I hate. I hate how I hate this. <laughs> Uh, I definitely have been, uh, ever since last week, I've been like, yo, I want to do the second episode. Like, I'm kind of getting into this a little bit. I kind of hate that, uh, but it's also at the same time, uh, a little bit liberating. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm currently at a point where the only thing I can look forward to is new Homestuck updates and <laughs> recording this. So, uh, I think it was James Roach of the, the former Homestuck music team that, that made the post that... We're stuck at home. We're <laughs> we are homestuck. We really are. We really are. And this is also going to age this uh, really poorly for whenever this actually drops in public in a month, and you're going to know that we recorded these all like a month in advance. Um, it is currently uh, March sixteenth, two thousand twenty. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we fooled you all. We're not doing this live. We're not doing this week to week. Uh, we been tricked. You. You've been owned. Yep. Uh, before we get into our reading for this week, I have a couple of, just a handful of notes uh, from last week already. Uh, one, I'm an asshole. Uh, Hussey did graduate with a full computer science degree from Temple University, and I was a dickhead saying that it was funny how uh, novel it seemed to him because he was just writing. Uh, that's me being a tool. Uh, sorry. Um, and I guess uh, something we can use as like, kind of a segue in is that... um. I found it interesting doing this reading just in general, um, looking at how Homestuck uses its video game qualities uh, in context completely separate from Suburb. Yeah. Uh, it... Like, one of the more confusing things about it structurally, and I remember uh, people asking me about this back when I was a kid, and I was trying to get my friends with me, like, hey, why is it sometimes a video game and then sometimes it's more of a video game? And I just feel like that's how it is. Yeah, because like here, here we really see that like, because because when when the Silidex is introduced, you're like, oh, this this is a video video game abstraction that's just like part of Homestuck, but then you see that like it's like integrated with Spurb as if it's not a part of like Spurb itself. It's just mm -hmm. a part of like day to day life, and that's. That's something. I find it very entertaining, the idea that in this universe, like, everyday people just have, like, a weapon equip type that they have to decide at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. So, I guess that kind of takes us into a reading, because this reading at the start really focuses on uh, just setting up, suburb, like, establishing suburb. Yeah. Uh, so, like... We left off at last time at John the uh, installing the suburb client and getting that nice little install flash, uh, and now it drops us immediately into like seeing from Rose's perspective as the client like what the suburb menu looks like, and we can see that like it's centered on building and construction and inventory management uh, first off from her side. Um, yeah, the, the, it, it 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 in my eyes it seems very very much influenced by The Sims, but like. Real life, real life Sims. I'm pretty sure that Hussey says in. I actually didn't go comprehensively over the uh, notes in the book this time, which I should have. Uh, but it's. I think that he does note that it's heavily based on the Sims, like early on. Yeah. 
It also, uh, interestingly enough, I think the suburb, uh, like setup, kind of shows us the return of the cursor bit from like the third page, uh, but in like a relevant form. I uh, uh, remember we talked about. Yeah. Uh. The 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 idea of just this cursor just existing. I, I there's there's one point where uh John spe- specifically like rejects being clicked by the cursor. Mm-hmm. That happens here. Yeah. I I hate the concept of just a cursor just chilling. It I don't, it's stupid. It it. <laughs> I I don't mind it so much when uh it's in the game. But I think that, like, I think that that joke works as an abstraction the level of Suburb. I don't think it works as much in the in the level of Homestuck, because while Suburb gets gradually phased out and is still relevant throughout the entire comic, yeah, uh, Homestuck becomes its own narrative uh, pretty quickly. And so the medium of the reader, quote-unquote, messing with the characters directly becomes ages much more poorly than the cursor when Suburb does, in my yeah. opinion. So, we get we get a bit of a Suburb establishment. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised this reading to see how much less inventory management there was, even though we get a much more uh, kind of brutally... Uh, we get a inventory management system coming up in a bit that could be much more fucking brutal than John's entire shenanigans are, but it seems that like at least for the bulk, it seems that uh, the bulk of Act One's inventory management gets it out of the way early on, which I really appreciated. Yeah, uh, um, I, I I like I like that there there's there's like a clear shift between inventory management and just like suburb uh construction nonsense. Yes, and the suburb construction nonsense is a lot more compelling because it like is there to stay for the most part. Yeah. It's it's much less permanent. Or it's much more much less temporary, I mean so. Uh what else do we have? Um uh we have the put the bunny back in the box joke. From, <laughs> we do have from that. Conair. We, we have the first put the bunny back in the box uh literal joke uh which is not it will not be the last. Yeah, we have a bunch of just messing around with suburb. Um so Rose messes around with John's house. He drops his magic chest on the roof. Uh, Dad, at this point, leaves the house again. Um, which I one of my notes from this reading that I thought was really funny is how Dad it uh, in Act One kind of acts like a Metal Gear Solid guard, <laughs> um, and he has a very set patrol uh, while his house is being destroyed. Of yeah, leaving to get ingredients and coming back to bake cakes. <laughs> which is which is just really funny. Um, I know that you said that Dad gets more uh, later on in terms of like development and relevance. Which yeah, I don't doubt. But right now he's very much a video game enemy. There, there's like some mild Dad development in in this section of the reading, specifically when when John gets 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 a good look at his PDA. Yeah, the PDA. Uh, uh, I think it's very cute. That Dad's username is PipeFan413. Oh, it owns. Can we just it, talk about the PDA check? Can we just go to that? I'm yeah. To, which page is that on? I want to. Um, oh, uh, 158. Serious business. It. <laughs> I, I I can't tell. I think that this is supposed to be like a like a group chat. This is like a this is like his Skype. 
Yeah. Um, and I, this is the one of the funniest parts of this reading to me. Uh, the this the this is like one of Hussey's specialties in terms of like set dressing is like not just the conversation but the usernames and the timestamps of it. Like we have Gray Slack sixty six, uh, too busy for this. And what's the other one? Uh, Office Urchin twelve eighty, well pressed attire. Uh, just fantastic usernames for a dad. Uh, Skype. Yeah. <laughs> and the the topic being um dipping your tie into your coffee by accident and then <laughs> having to run back home to get a new tie while they're advi- the boys are advising you on how to press the coffee out of your tie. It, it's awesome. Uh, and the one. I do think it's kind of interesting that um, Dad has not sent anything in this group chat. I mean, obviously, like stuff is happening, but yeah, we don't get to see any dialogue from him. Yeah, which I, which I wish we, I wish that we got a little bit of dialogue from him at this point. Uh, I do too. Uh, there, the this is also like the first, uh, the first point for John that, uh, some that something's like kind of off about the way he perceives his dad. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, obviously he's, he's dressing the home in, like, all of his harlequins, and in, in John's, in John's point of view, he's obsessed with these harlequins, but with the, with the way Dad's phone is, like, uh, a phone is very personal, so, in John's eyes, why, why is, why is Dad's phone this, this, like, grayscale serious business, boring no chat? No harlequins. Yeah. Um, I don't, oh yeah, uh, this happens a little bit before, I don't want to skip over this. Uh, so, we get all the building stuff, uh, Rose drops all the free builds around John's house, uh, cause Spurb has free builds for, that will become, their purpose comes apart in a bit. Um, we have, uh, our first R word in one of the pester logs. Oh yeah! <laughs> um, or- I would like to relay a uh, a story I th- that I just happened recently. Uh, a friend of mine, um, she's currently reading Homestuck for the first time uh, because, like, fuck it. Um, and she has been like asking me, like, "Hey, what's it like? What's the wh- what was it like back in the day?" Um, which is funny because, like, we're aiming to address this right now, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she was asking why, like, the early stuff is so polarizing, and she, one of the things that she posited was is because they use the R word a lot. And I thought that was really funny because uh, 20, 2011, like, 2010, 2009, is a different time online. Yeah. And the, uh, like, the casualness that is dropped here uh, is, like, oh, this is just back when this was, like, everyone, like, it was, you, you, it was all the time, like. There was no real pushback against using uh like minor slurs in conversation yeah. online. Uh the two thousand nine, two thousand ten, it it was definitely like a transitional period in the way people carry themselves online. Yeah. Because at this point in Homestuck, yeah, like the R word's there, but like if you look back in Hussey's like earlier work, like he was like way worse. Oh, and- oh can we talk about um the uh what was it the wizardology book have you seen the wizardology book um i don't think i have so uh hussy had a you, you know those like dragonology the wizardology those like big uh like children's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay you remember those yeah uh, hussy had an annotated copy of wizardology um with a lot of just like 
scribbles on it, uh, like cartoons written over pages, very heavily uh, done over. And there's a lot of very racist shit in there. <laughs> uh, not to cast aspersions on the. I, I've I've heard that he's really grown and improved as a person oh, since yeah. then. Um, but the novelty of being able to go back and find Hussey's extremely racist wizardology annotations, um, I would say check it out. I would say check it out. Uh, readers, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where to find it, or listeners, I'm not going to tell you where to find it, but it's out there uh, if you want some kicks uh, and just to see uh, how far the man has come and the progression of his work. Uh, I would look up the Hussey wizardology book. And I also, I'm not sure if my memory is faulty, but I or if it's just melted from years of discourse, uh, but like I feel like there's probably an F word somewhere in the first couple acts, and maybe yes, maybe there's an N word. I don't remember if Dave drops an N word or not. I don't think there's an N word. I I think I think F word is like as far as it gets, and I think that was specifically said by Carcat. I was maybe? gonna say Carcat dropping the F word seems like it would be in maybe in character when he first gets introduced. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, slur watch. We'll uh, we're gonna tally the R word at one, and we're gonna keep y'all posted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need like a sound effect too, Alex. I didn't like a sound effect uh, for slur watch. So so back to back to where we're going. Um, so we got through dad, uh, dad's PDA. Uh, there's some interesting dialogue in this bit, like uh, between John and Rose, um, that I really want to focus on. Uh, yeah. And the first one being on page 160, where we get a little bit of Rose's uh, psychoanalytic tendencies coming out, um, where she tries to, she, she like, I think makes like a joke towards John asking uh, if his inventory management violence is a manifestation of his pent up frustration with his dad. Um, and John says, please take your psycho babblery elsewhere, miss. Which, it, it's, it's, they're joking around. Yeah. Um, but then the, the, the jokes kind of go back and forth, uh, and John makes reference to her weird OCD complex, and she makes the joke of, uh, can a disorder also be a complex? And John says, in your case, probably. Which <laughs> is funny. Yeah. Um, it, it's, like, funny, but it's also... Uh, it's either they're very good friends here and they're comfortable with that kind of joke, or if I got that kind of joke back and forth with someone who I wasn't, like, super friendly with, then I would be a little bit weirded out. Yeah. And then we have, uh, another log. Which page is this? Um, this is a little bit, there's a couple, okay, there's a couple events that happened before this next one. Um, so, there's some, just kind of fucking around. This section has much less fucking around than the previous reading did, but it's still there. Yeah. Uh, John looks directly through his telescope into the sun. I don't know if you. I don't know if you noted that that was. I, funny. I didn't pick up on that. I. I. It just didn't register. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. I. I. I read. I. I looked at this page. I looked at it again, and I'm like, he's. He's looking right into the sun. Uh, through a telescope that would destroy your eyeballs. Um. We get some, like, house destruction on Rose's part, uh, where she yanks the toilet out of the floor in the bathroom and just kind yes. of leaves it in the backyard. John unlocks a new area in his house through this hole, uh, finds, and, and he finds his first hammer. 
which is part of what we were talking about earlier, where Homestuck itself is video gamey uh, and not just suburb. Yeah. Also, that 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 card, the the fact that there's just these cards just laying around the house is like it's very video gamey, but extremely video gamey. But it it's it's a part of the Homestuck video gaminess and not the Spur video gaminess, which makes me wonder who's just leaving these cards around the house. <laughs> the, the Homestuck video gaminess, um, I think I, I think one of the important things to understand if you want to look at Homestuck in 2009 in the context of, or like not just 2009, but like in the in the early days, in context is the amount of confusion online about what the hell this comic was. Yeah. I don't know how much of that you saw, uh, well, I'm not going to doubt whatever you, but, um, I remember, uh, people thought it was, uh, a video game, people thought it was a anime, that was a really popular misinterpretation <laughs> for some reason, I really yeah. don't know how, th- I really don't know how that misconception arose, because nothing in this comic looks, uh, like what anime looked like in the late aughts and the early tens. Yeah, I I I remember the first time I I opened mspaintadventures.com and went to Homestuck. I when the whole enter name thing happened, I I very much tried to type in a name cuz I thought it was a video game. A lot of people I know uh were like, "Hey, I couldn't enter a name. It just entered a name for me." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's that's what that's how it's set up." Cuz Homestuck is not the first MS Paint Adventure, so it having this enduring cultural legacy and having a beginning that people start at uh, is also a little bit out of context of history because when it started, the only people who were providing commands for probably this reading, like probably up through Act 1, were uh, like Problem Sooth fans who were very used to uh, MSPA. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Um... We're getting up to okay. Uh, okay, yeah, we're at the we're at the part where okay. Uh, Jade gets introduced briefly, um, and I really don't have much to say about this. Uh, she's kind of bubbly and says that something outside of her house exploded. Yeah, uh, I think I think the the one thing to note about this interaction with Jade is that she doesn't know what Spurb is. Like she specifically says what Spurb, and I. I thought that was interesting because, like, Dave knows, Rose knows, John knows. I didn't, even, I didn't even pick up on that. Good cut, good catch. And I don't know. It it just feels weird that she doesn't know about it because, like, the others have talked to each other about it. Obviously, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. John and Rose. Well, all all three of them clearly have been like really anticipating it. Dave's trying to hide it, but yeah, uh, they're they all pre-ordered it, obviously, and they're all pretty excited about it. Um, and she just doesn't even know what it is, which. Strikes me as odd if we are to believe that all four of these characters are friends, or at least if John and uh, Jade are close friends. Yeah. Um. And also the uh, the explosion will be relevant uh, in a couple of acts. Um. This is a good reminder that everything in the beginning is happening in parallel. Um. Because we're gonna when when we get to Jade, we're gonna get a lot of stuff with her that happens before this explosion. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, you're. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should also be keeping, like, paying attention to the timestamps in terms of when they start and stop talking to each other, because you could probably piece together a pretty accurate timeline from that. Yeah. It's just that most pester logs don't have that, so it's kind of, like, hard to track most of it. 
Um, we, uh, <laughs> we, there's a funny detail, uh, the page after this, where Rose has placed the Cruxtruder in a doorway, uh, because she has the same POV that the readers do, and so she sees kind of that isometric video game notch that, yeah. uh, is a doorway, but it looks like, oh, it fits nicely with the object. Uh, John is really mad, um, and Rose does, is just, just kind of either feigns innocence or is innocent. Um, she messes with the bathroom some more. Puts the bathtub uh, up in the on the uh, uh, on the stairwell, so the house's layout is now obstructed, and John has to find alternate routing. And then we get the pester log that I found the most interesting in the reading, which is on one seventy four. Um, what do you what did what do you have to say about this one? Oh yeah, okay, I, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. Um, we 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 get our first look at um at how the the parental situations for the kids are yes um uh specifically when when rose says i battled through her cloud of gin and derision once already this evening which that's that's a very heavy statement Yes, when I was reading this when I was like 13 or 14, uh, it didn't really uh, catch on me that like a parent probably should not be, a, a single parent like drinking and getting mad at their kid is abnormal and not healthy. And when I read this uh, this week, I, I immediately like zoned in on that, like, oh, yeah. And then, um, and then she kind of, she kind of like, she kind of like lashes out a tiny bit at John. Yes. With with the the cake jester's unfaltering love and support, quite a row to hoe there. Like, I thought that was really interesting. Well, I mean, obviously, it's that that's not like a that that's clearly beyond a, a joke a little bit. Uh, yeah, she's he he's trying to sympathize. Um. Or he tries to make a sympathetic comment, and she obviously is, like, lashing back and saying, like, you don't know, like, your dad, like, the worst that you have it is that your dad's kind of embarrassing in the way that he uh, loves and supports you. But the Road to Ho comment, um, I I really don't know what to make of it. Uh, Like... It's... uh, Obviously, this is, like, an early hint of insecurity from rose yeah um, which is this is part of uh where i think like sometimes these characters are 13 and sometimes they're not yeah um because that's a really uh not adult but like it's a more mature insecurity uh to be like aware of um and if it's and if we're taking this conscious of like rose is 13 um then it really makes you wonder, kind of, like, what she's subjected to by her mom. Oh, yeah, because Ro- Rose specifically is one of the characters where we get this the most matureness from. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the situation with her mom specifically. I know I know, Dave has his own issues that we'll get to when we get to, but... Oh, we're, we'll get there. But it's just Rose specifically, the way the way she's talking about this... 
And then, and then, like right after this, there's there's an oblivion, obliviousness from John when he says, "I know." Like he's 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 kind of reacting like this is still a joke. This is like where I really wish that uh, the regular pester logs had timestamps on messages because if this was immediately afterward versus if the, there was like a two minute gap would make yeah. this completely different. Um. Like, I'm not sure whether he's try he's definitely trying to def- deflect, or if he just doesn't get it. Yeah. And either of them could square with John's character as we know him. And also just the way that she immediately, like, just goes with it, and is willing- it j- will just leave that, uh, is, uh, a- It shows that either she's very- t- she's- she doesn't want to talk about it, I think. Yeah. Um, or it's become natural at this point to have this conversation and just not, like, transition in and out of it. Um, we also, in the minor thing in this special life, it is also established that, uh, Rose is East Coast excellence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we joked about, uh, Rose having various East Coast accents. I actually don't know, I don't remember where she is located geographically. She's, like, in, like, the upstate New York area. I choose I to believe that Rose has a Pittsburgh accent. I'll be reading her dialogue from this point forward in the Pittsburgh accent, I think. Um, but yeah, I think that's this pester log uh, shows a, like a maturity to the story. Yeah. Um, or if not a maturity, then like an ambition uh, very, from very early on, because this is our first hint of real darkness in these characters' lives in the dialogue. Yeah. And I was very surprised to see it this early on. Uh, what, what's what's up next? Well, I'm saying uh and like a lot. Uh, this is a note to myself to work on that in the future. <laughs> so from here we kind of get some more video gamey stuff with John and Rose working together to f- figure out the working of Suburb. Um, and we get our first appearance of the uh, Colonel Sprite. Which is a vital mechanic. Extremely vital. Um, we 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 also get the the countdown, which yes. this will this will not be the the last countdown we see in Homestuck. Homestuck is a series of countdowns. Um, <laughs> uh, this is also the point where um the because it starts counting down at four minutes and thirteen seconds, it's like oh everything else in this act happens within less than five minutes. Yeah. Uh, Homestuck. Can be can kind of have a difficult to follow like timeline. Um, that statement means a lot of things going forward. <laughs> uh, but part of what, like one of the interesting things about the storytelling is how dense the dialogue can be and how much that can uh, betray uh, the the small amount of time that's supposed to be passing. Yeah. So we get like so we get like the video gamey stuff. Um, the the core mechanic of Suburb uh, makes itself clear, which is that so the Crux shooter produces uh, Cruxite dowels. Um, there are punch cards that you can use uh, with the um, the totem lathe, and you when you carve the totem a totem from the Crux shooter with the totem lathe. Then that creates a carved totem, which you can then use with the alchemiter to create an object for materials. Uh, which is a little bit, uh, which which is some more complexity that is 
more that's relevant for longer than like the inventory stuff is, but it's I still don't remember how much it gets used besides some excellent bit comedy in uh a couple acts from now. Yeah. Um it 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 definitely stays relevant. Uh all the all the way through like Act Six. Like early Act Six. Oh uh, yeah, I guess there there's the Suburb Alpha session. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Whoa, uh, <laughs> whoa, what's, what's that? <laughs> There's four kids in this. And that's it. Oh, this is also the part where uh, when he's messing with his inventory, the, uh, the Harlequin uh, doll gets the iconic missing, like the iconic arm gash and the eye gash. Uh, which, when I saw it, I groaned. Because I was like, oh god. <laughs> Gonna get used to, gotta get used to this. Uh, something, something that I do like about this part is that, like, how video gamey it is, like, it's a video gaminess that, like, really works well, like, you have this thing that does one thing so that you can move on to the next thing, and I just, I just like the way these, these machines are connected in how they function. Mm-hmm. It, it feels very well thought out. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I, I like the whole, I like the mechanics of Suburb, I think. Uh, part of it being, like, comfort from years gone by of remembering all this stupid bullshit. Yeah. And part of it also just being, it's very well thought out and it feels like a, it would make a cool video game were it to be, uh, were it to be real. Uh, how's that Kickstarter coming along? <laughs> Bro. Don't talk about that. <laughs> we will talk about the Homestuck Kickstarter whenever we get to, like, 2011, 2012, whenever it was happening. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know the full Kickstarter lore, but I know there is, there is a story there. I've, I've tried to familiar myself as much as possible with that story, so we will definitely at least have, like, a, like a half-episode special just talking about that. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Um... We get our first Colonel Sprite prototyping, which is the Harlequin. Um, this affects everything. Oh yeah, it it the the way the way it's presented now, it it seems like such a non important thing. It's so inconsequential when it happens that now uh, his personal assistant video game character is a clown with a missing eye and one arm. But we get introduced to the mechanic that it has to be prototyped twice, so it has to become some weird hybrid of things. And as of right now, being only prototyped with the Harlequin doll, John still can't understand whatever it has to say. So right now, the Colonel Sprite is kind of a another piece of set dressing where it's a funny, non-interactive NPC, which will change radically uh, going forward. Yeah. Many, many times. There's some more joking around between uh, John and Rose on page 187, um, which isn't, like, super significant in terms of dialogue, but it's a good reminder that, like, they are really good friends, uh, that they kind of fall into this uh, routine of joking with each other in the midst of imminent disaster or a unknown countdown. Yeah. Um, on this page, I, 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 I like the, 
the the running joke through this dialogue of Rose saying increasingly esoteric states of linguistics, and then they get into this this increasingly esoteric states of linguistics with each other. Yes. And then she just drops like a word that's part of the game, and John is just immediately confused. It's, <laughs> it's it's really good. Your audio's cutting out. Oh, is it? <laughs> it, it cut. You cut out for a bit there. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit. We'll edit that out. Uh. So so say so. She's so they're doing this bit back and forth of uh increasingly esoteric states of linguistics, and then she drops the uh the she, actual she, name of the thing in the game. Yeah. And John is mutely confused. Yeah. And then she says, try to learn the lingo. It's very funny. It's a good bit. <laughs> um, there's messing around with the menus and stuff. Um, not that interesting to, like, talk about from a reading perspective, but it's like, oh, it's happening. Uh, John loses his PDA again, uh, because inventory. Uh, and so we have a couple pages of non-communication between the two of them. And just kind of explaining, uh, oh, this is how you uh, alchemite things, or I guess create them using the dowels. And the dowel uh, with, that hasn't been carved at all creates the perfectly generic object. Um, shout out to the, I guess, official Homestuck podcast at this point, the Perfectly Generic podcast, uh, for taking an incredibly good bit of uh, early comic lingo and uh, using that. There's a couple more pages here where uh, just John's, the ghost on John's shirt is blue because of gift compression, which is insignificant, uh, but I brought up last episode that people, when this was happening, were freaking out over what the significance of this was, (laughs) which I think is a really funny thing to fixate on given the amount of stuff that's being set up right now that will be relevant for thousands and thousands of pages afterward. Uh, John spots the meteor that is heading towards his house. That is the co- that is the what is the countdown is sign- signifying. And then we immediately get a like a bit relief uh, comedy bit uh, comedy relief page where John high fives Colonel Sprite, which had me immediately wondering, can he do that? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I wondered about this like like back in the day. It, it like comes back to my mind every so often. The fact that it's a single type kernel sprite, it it feels wrong that he's touching it. It well, I, not to spoil things, and this would be spoiled myself too because I don't remember much. But I know that uh, later on uh, there is a there are like there are kernel sprites to get prototyped with uh, people. I don't remember yes. if they're specifically the players of the session. But there's there's chrono slides that get prototyped with people, uh. So I think we found our first plot hole. Uh, get some air horns in here. <laughs> but that's not too significant. Uh, we get the gusher joke set up. Um, where the the narrative notes that Bill Grist looks exactly like fruit gushers, the candy. Um. And in this this page of random uh command prompted uh one-off comedy uh i think this is our first time we're seeing a hussy like lash back a little bit against his uh his reader base uh where it says 
There's apparently no crisis so imminent that will deter you from contemplating idiotic and frivolous <laughs> actions. I think that he's excited here, too. Uh, he's excited that his story is finally in a little bit of motion, and he wants people to shut the fuck up with the stupid yeah. comments. Yeah. Which is really cute. Dad comes back. Um, he's doing his Metal Gear Soldier Patrol uh, while Rose frantically tries to fix the bathroom. We get some more dialogue on 204 uh, with a couple of characters. Um, first with Rose, uh, where not a whole lot significant happens, but we kind of set up Rose in Game Facts, which is one of my favorite jokes from very early on. Yeah, it that Game Facts itself really, really dates everything that's happening right now. Oh, yes. Because I can't remember the last time I've ever opened Game Facts, ever. I opened Game Facts, uh, I think last year. Um, I forget what game I was playing. Uh, what was I, what I would have been playing last year? You know what? I was playing through Persona 5, um, and I, it occurred to me, do people still write game facts for stuff? And I went, and to my delight, there is a fully, uh, fully text-based Persona 5 game facts. Um, to my delight that that site is still up and running. So it hasn't aged that poorly, but the Art of the ASCII game facts banner definitely dates this comic a bit and some of the jokes that appear about uh the game fact conventions back in the day i think i think it is worth noting that if you if you go on game facts now and go to spurb someone has copy and pasted a nice spurb walkthrough directly from homestuck itself and it is the only thing on on the spurb page on game facts just one I person actually... I actually, uh, when I was reading this, I went to check that out um, because I had a memory of there being like actual game facts stuff, uh, of Hussey having planted game facts stuff on, or having planted the Homestuck stuff on game facts. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at it now, and this is the only piece of suburb material uh, that is Rose's uh, short-lived guide for the game. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which is, which is really cute. We don't get this yet. We, I think we get the, I think that, uh, Rose's guide shows up in Act 2. Um, but it's a bit of, uh, like, world building. I, I, I want to say that this was at some point on Game Facts, uh, like, planted there as part of the storytelling. I, I would imagine so, because Hussey does, he does do things like that later, later in Homestuck, such as, a specific character having an actual DeviantArt page. Yes. Um, things like that. That's much, much later, but I do remember that being an actual DeviantArt page. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where, where were we? Um, yeah, we get some of the GameFAQs humor. Uh, it's funny to me how obsessive Rose is getting over the poor quality of GameFAQs walkthroughs, and how into writing her own good ones she's getting, which is... I really like it. This is kind of a bit of um, characterization of her that could be viewed as maybe <clears throat> showing her flaws in terms of getting distracted, uh, while also just being entertaining. Yeah. And then we get some of the most iconic day of dialogue. Oh, yeah. Uh, immediately <laughs> after. <laughs> uh, there's not like a whole... 
oh, the one significant thing that I do want to talk about here um, is kind of early on Dave's pervasive casual misogyny. Oh, yeah. It... Whew. I wish that he would stop talking about uh, the girls in the comic as flighty broads. Um, or at least specifically, he's subtweeting Rose here. But yeah. it, 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 I, it's pretty in line for 13-year-olds, I guess. But I, I, I said in the last episode I want more of the kids being mean to each other. But this is, this is a little bit rough. And I also have to worry, or not worry, um, they're not real people. I, it also makes me think about um, Rose's earlier comment about the road to hoe and how the way that Dave talks about her behind her back, or we haven't got an interaction between them straight up yet, but how the way Dave has talked about her so far kind of squares with her own insecurities about uh, her sexuality, I guess. Yeah. Which is a little bit... It's it's pretty heavy. Um, I wonder if that was... If it was... In, I, I wonder again if this was intended as a character thing. Or if this was just kind of a byproduct of... Oh, this was written in 2009. Um, and this was like the... Imgur... Uh, go back to the kitchen, make me a sandwich... Uh, jokes were unir- unironically got said back in this time period. Yeah, I... Part of me feels like it's it's part of Dave's characterization, but it's spe- specifically, like, how how someone like him would have acted in this time period, because this, this era of Dave is very much that, hey, babe, go make me a sandwich. Yeah. It, and it... I think that's, like, a byproduct of like how he was raised and we'll get to that when we get to that but mm-hmm. one of my least favorite characterizations from from like early homestuck fandom was just the the whole like overly cool guy dave like a lot of the fandom really really went overboard with it and, i want to talk made about... him into a dude bro and it I really want to talk about the fandom characterization of Dave. Um, I know that we can't do it now because we haven't even gotten to his formal introduction yet. Yeah. Um, but I imagine that as we get Dave dialogue, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about how it squares with how fans interpreted him. Yeah. And really, once we start, once we start getting some more characters besides just John and Rose, uh, there's going to be a ton of that. The male characters are. Most of the male characters have some kind of big-time fandom misinterpretation, or, like, there's a fandom version of them that is very different from how they exist in the comic. Yeah. And a, a couple of the female characters are fall victims of this. Um, notably Vriska, because Vriska is <laughs> the, the most controversial character of all time in any form of media. Uh, but, but, I, I, and I only say that a, a little bit facetiously, uh, but I feel like the male characters in Homestuck really were more victimized by the fandom. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to it. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But we do get the excellent uh, bit of Dave dialogue about um, Earth is literally under siege by planet fucking <laughs> Jupiter, which is fantastically funny. This whole, 
I love it when Earl. I, the bit of early Dave characterization that I adore is when he gets so into his own bit that he sends a wall of text long after the person he's messaging has stopped responding. Yeah. It... <laughs> he's just in love with his own sense of humor, and it's extremely 13 year old boy, and it's very funny. <laughs> I have a question. Is it Jupiter? Yes, sir. Earth is literally under siege by planet fucking Jupiter. Oh shit! Anyway, later. It's it's perfect. I love it. And yeah. this is this is one of those pieces of Dave dialogue that was iconic that people would just slap on in memes and stuff. Uh, there's a couple more that are coming up, uh, but this is one of the big ones. So we get that dialogue. Um, John messes around a bit more with the uh, game mechanics. Uh, we get this funny panel on page 206 where we see Dad being the Metal Gear Solid Guard. I wish I'd saved the Metal Gear Solid Guard joke for this page uh, because he is, he, like, he looks at the bathtub at the top of the stairs, his AI breaks, and he goes back downstairs to bake more cakes <laughs> while John runs around upstairs. So we're, like, about to get uh, some... We're about to have John use the the uh, we're about to get the mechanics to uh, their take the mechanics to their fruition. I can't talk. Uh, but suddenly, uh, Rosa's connection is interrupted. John is locked in his room. There's two minutes on the countdown, and we get our Rose introduction, which is awesome. Oh yes. So we get the again we get the flighty broad name, which I I. I that's probably from some user, but it's like, ah, please drop this bit. It sucks. But we get a Rose introduction. Uh, what do you have to say about Rose's introduction? Because I feel like this one is a lot more focused than John's was. Um, with Rose, we, we, we definitely get a lot more things that, like, stick around with her as a character. Yeah. Uh, the, the obscure literature, uh, we, we, she, she loves writing, and I feel like that plays into... Her, why she wanted to write the game facts just for her to have like a way of writing oh for sure um she's secretive about her writing uh we we find out later what she writes about and it makes me it i don't know if i should bring it up now i honestly don't remember what she writes about um okay and so I we can save that for later. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note to myself to bring this up later. Then okay, because okay, we can do that. There's some implications about mom at this point. Mm. Uh, okay. Note written. Uh. So we have the obscure literature. We have her creative her creative writing and her passion for that. We have the uh, bestially strange and fictitious. So Rose is into this universe's equivalent of uh, Lovecraftian monstrosities. Yeah. Which is really, 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 really relevant uh, later on. But it's also kind of a... I like that just on the basis of um, characterization. Uh, when you're 13 and you're reading this comic for the first time in 2011, Rose is your goth GF. <laughs> She's one of those characters. <laughs> Um, 
What else? She's into psychoanalysis, which has already been established. Um, and she likes knitting, which is also uh, more aesthetically relevant than like thematically. I want to say. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it, it's needles become her strife specimens. Um, and that plays in that that that's relevant and used in imagery for a very long time. The the knitting is also it. It's less about her and more about her relationship with another character. We'll see why she she's into knitting. Ah, uh, oh yes, ah uh, yes, we will, we will. Um, but yeah, I I like this introduction a lot more than I liked John's. Um, I no bias, no bias. Uh, Rose is one of my favorite characters in Homestuck. Uh, but I do really think that this introduction. Ha- Excuse me. <laughs> I really feel like this introduction has the benefit of this character having existed for a couple of pages beforehand, and yeah. so Hussey has can take what is already known about her and create a more formed introduction. Um, and I think he also really just had an aesthetic in mind for this character. He, he, there's clearly aesthetic, aesthetics for all four characters uh, in the in all four of the beta kids early on, and I think roses and. Roses is probably one of the like most focused. Yeah. Um. We get a little bit of stuff of in her in a room where she's being secretive, which is really really cute. Uh, where whenever the readers try to inspect anything in her room, she uh nudges it. Uh, uh she nudges it under her bed or into uh. I don't know what that's supposed to be. What is that piece of furniture on page two eighteen? Um. Cab is that a, a cabinet that. <laughs> That is just flat on the floor. Very for low some line reason. cabinet. I ne- I didn't notice before how nonsensical this piece of furniture is. I want one. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh there's the we have our customary uh blank like a blank and blank on your blank page. Uh, <laughs> which Rose rejects thoroughly. Um, uh, something ahead. something about the 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 furniture page that we were just talking about. Uh, with with the purple package, I, it's it's pretty obviously set up at this point that the colored packages are John's birthday presents, mm-hmm. and I I think it's interesting that she specifically has not sent hers out yet. Yeah, because it is that. John's birthday, and he is he's already got his gift from Dave, and the gift from Jade is in Dad's car. Yeah. Did we mention that the green package? Yeah, the green package is, uh, is Jade's birthday gift, and it has his copy of the uh, server. Uh, server. But yeah, Rose is still hanging on to her birthday gift for John. Um, interesting. We get uh, Rose's little musical introduction, uh, which is a a motif that I had actually forgotten about um, early on. Uh. There, every character in this comic, especially the Beta Kids, have like six or seven motifs that they yeah. all have their own spin on. One of them being uh, music. So John plays the piano and Rose plays the violin. This isn't. I don't think that their musical talent uh, is super. I don't think that it comes back that often. But something that is interesting is that 
the the instruments that they uh, all specialize in become really like the backbone of whatever their actual leitmotif is in the in comic music, which is cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, beside like outside of their introductions, the the their their musical instruments are really just like aesthetic pieces. Yeah. Cuz I can't think of like any situation where it, they even like mention the fact that they can play their instruments except for John, there's there's one moment much later where his his musical talent is actually like a part of the story. But with everyone else, it 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 doesn't really it doesn't really play much into the Homestuck. Yeah, like they have a tiny bit maybe, but it's not. Um, it's it's one of the things that gets set up that gets dropped pretty quickly. Yeah, I think. we get. Uh, there's one more thing that I want to note on this page is that that the, like the art on Rose's walls. Do you know what that is? Um, I I don't. I was wondering about it, and I I don't know what that is. I could have sworn that it's in Hussey's notes in the book, uh, what that is, and it's not. I I could have sworn that at some point I had heard a story or I had heard the background of what that art is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Hussey's art because it looks yeah, a it... lot like his like non flash style. Yeah, it it does. I'm I'm pretty sure that's Hussey art. Yeah, I wonder if that was if these are like prototype designs for Homestead characters, or if this was like a prior project that never saw the light of day. But it's interesting. It's I wonder if that's meant to be in the context of the story. If that's something that Rose is into, or if she is also an artist. Uh, there's also the little picture of Sigmund Freud with the like <laughs> octopus head, which is that is Freud? a visual that is a visual that pops up somewhere, and it's really funny. <laughs> we also get this uh bit comic page, which is this is the only co- this is the only page that interrupts the narrative that has made me actually laugh out loud, and it's the uh John tell Liv Tyler you love her before impact page because it comes out of nowhere. And it's a, it's a sudden shift in perspective back to John. And it caught me so off guard when I was reading this that I actually laughed at this. It's really funny. Uh, <laughs> the um, the way that it's written. Uh, John embracing the apocalypse and just deciding he's going to kiss his, po- his movie poster with Liv Tyler on it before dying. And then the little uh, 13-year-old boy fantasy he lives out in his head of... Uh, Ben Affleck dying in the movie instead of Bruce Willis and him becoming Liv Tyler's love interest. <laughs> this is an excellent uh, window into the mind of John. Yeah. So it, we perfectly shift back to Rose, and we get introduced to Rose's uh, tree modus. I'm gonna be real with you, Chief. I cannot be asked to keep track of this shit. It, it's silly. It's it's very silly and. Hussy put thought into it, but sorry, Hussy, I don't care. Sorry, Hussy, like, it, like we it's kind of funny, you, but I got places to go with this comic, and trying to remember the intricacies of how a uh, what is it, a max a max weight rooted tree works. It, <laughs> I can just, I can, I'll just take your word that you did the mechanics correctly. 
We do get uh, an interesting, uh, like, set-based page where Rose looks at her window and we can see... One, we can see the mausoleum for her dead cat, Jasper's, in the backyard. Uh, which she alleges her mom uh, built uh, to scorn her, which is, again, a kind of questionable look into life at the Lalande household. Yeah, it... Specifically, like, how she views her mother... And how her mother acts, because, like, I, I, can, I can put myself in the shoes of a 13-year-old and being confused by the actions of an adult and wondering if, if their intentions are going one way or another. But on the other hand, with, with her comment about her mom's gin and, like, mockingness towards her earlier, it... It it just really makes you wonder, like, how exactly is she being treated? It's it's very stressful. Yeah, it's interesting to me that the narrative specifically set like makes a note at the end of the first paragraph. This is two twenty five. Um, your mom had the structure erected with the spirit of scornful irony in response to your ruthlessly innocent request to hold a funeral for the animal. At least. That is how you've come to interpret the gesture in retrospect. So we have, like, a little bit of self-doubt there from Rose um, on her perception of her mother, which I think anybody who has dealt with a family member treating you in a way that is less than stellar can relate to. um, Or or really any uh, instance of a loved one treating you poorly, where Rose isn't sure whether her mom was really being cruel in this action or or not um and she's chosen to believe that her mom was being cruel here and she like acknowledges that she chose to believe this yeah which is dark uh the mom stuff is a lot darker than i'd remembered um, yeah it, and yeah it, it's it, there's definitely some nuances to it that that like i didn't pick up on when i was a kid and reading it again it's it's a lot more loaded. Yeah, there's a lot of this is one of the things and I'm sure there's going to be many things like this that as a as a kid reading this I didn't uh pick up on the significance of and now when I read it it's like I said earlier it's a complete red flag and it's immediately a huge oh this these characters have tough these characters have very complicated lives from the get go. There's also, uh, on this panel, um, uh, some lore with the laboratory uh, next door. Yeah. Which I had actually forgotten about this plot point, uh, which is a bad sign for my reading comprehension of pub <laughs> stuff when I was 14. <laughs> but, uh, so Rose um, messes around with the inventory a bit. I'll give credit. I'll give Hussey this. The inventory management with tree is a bit more entertaining than with the stack and queue, just because of how uh, confusing it is. Yeah. Uh, we get the grimoire for summoning the zoologically dubious, uh, which is one of Rose's. This is Rose's Colonel Sassaker McGovern. So this sticks around for a while. Uh, Rose's relationship to the uh, Eldritch really gets expounded upon a lot uh, in the following acts. Um, 
Uh, so Rose leaves her bedroom. She gets she leaves her bedroom way faster than John did. So I appreciate I appreciate her on this basis alone. But we get we start to see uh one of my favorite bits of context that you get if you've read the hussy notes in the books, which is that uh Rose's mom has a similar motif to John's dad in that instead of dressing the house with shitty clown artifacts, uh she dresses the house with shitty wizard paintings. One of my this is probably my favorite uh extracurricular fact about Homestuck is that when Hussey was writing this chapter of the story and when he was creating the images of the Lalonde, the uh, Lalonde house, he downloaded a zip of wizard JPEGs <laughs> off the internet that gave his computer a virus. <laughs> And and so all of the pictures of sh- all the shitty wizard PNGs and JPEGs you see in this chapter are are from some horrific compilation that somebody decided to put on the internet as a Trojan horse for some kind of virus. <laughs> That's some really good lore. Wow, it's, I love it. People don't people don't uh, distribute viruses like that anymore these days, and I really miss it. <laughs> now it's just all about the hot singles in your area. There, there's some more um, irony, it re- references to irony as well in this, uh, where Rose uh, ponders that her mom collects the wizard paintings ironically, um, and she's decided that the reason that they're all around the house is because uh, her mom knows that she hates them and she wants her to suffer. Yeah. Which, again, is I- interesting in the context of the way that Rose views her parental relationship and how it actually might be. She has a close call with where we see Mom's silhouette in the doorway, it's, or, or in the window, and it's it's menacing. It's it sets Mom up uh, as it sets Mom up pretty well. Yeah, as a, I as a threat. I remember back when I first read it, and I got I got to this page. I was like, "Wow, Mom is kind of scary." Cause yeah, her outline is it's 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 like jagged, and she does look very threatening just mm-hmm. standing there yeah. i want to give a lot of props here to hussey's ability to design to, to his character design ability uh especially in this like minimalist kind of thing uh because even though he, he does a lot with a little bit i think yeah uh you know what kind of guy dad is by just by looking at him and you kind of at least get the sense that you get the same sense that Rose feels looking at Mom uh, early on and her silhouette. There's... So, when Rose goes out onto the balcony to get to the observatory, right? Yeah. There's a retcon thing here. Oh. Did you notice this? Oh! Pretend you... Pretend you do not see that. Page 234. Um, Pretend, you look away. You are now looking away. No, no. I want to just make a note of the fact this is here. Because when I was reading this uh, the other day, I got to this page and I was like, hang on, what's that in the lower left corner? <laughs> uh, and I opened the I opened the GIF in another tab just to take just like a zoom in and I noticed the file name uh, is retcon234.gif. 
Uh, and that immediately sparked a memory of a part much, 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 much later, uh, where things like this get dropped into prior parts of the comic. And I remember being there when that happened. That was one of the last things I remember when I was reading it, uh, for the first time. And it immediately was both a sense of, like, crushing defeat, um, and, like, oh man, there's so much that I that I will only remember about this comic when I reread it. Yeah. <laughs> um the this the the context of of this file change um it's one of my biggest problems and like one of my favorite parts of Homestuck because like it it works really well if you were reading it at the time. Yeah, I want to make a note. If anyone else, uh, anyone who might be listening, who this is your first experience with Homestuck, uh, turn your ears off. Come back in a minute when we're done talking about this. Yeah, it it it, it works. It works really well if you were an active reader. But but if if you're an archival reader and you get to these these situations where there are things in the background that you're like, hmm, why is that there? Um, if 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 one were to do like you did and open the file and you see the file name and retcon is right there in it, if you just take retcon out of the file name, you get the original file and you see like the change. And th- this is definitely not the first page that we've covered that has that scenario. Not um, the first, you say? Yeah, there have been. Oh no, I I've I've missed things. You have definitely missed things, and I I. <laughs> This entire time, I was like, thank God he hasn't mentioned it. Ah, uh, well, I'm sorry. I noticed it this time. <laughs> I actually also did go back and I looked at my book, um, and the, the at least the first press of the book uh, from Topatico does not have that, of course, because it, that event later in the comic had not occurred at this point when this book was printed. But it did make me wonder uh, if the retcon images are present in the uh Viz media books. I should I should check that because I I own the first 3 Viz books. I'll, right, I'll check that. Make... I'll check that before our next episode. We'll make a note of that and we'll address that in the opener of episode 3. But yeah. But uh, but as as you did archival... not see that. Pretend you didn't see that. Yeah, pretend you didn't see it if you're if you're a new reader just look away. You'll mm-hmm. you'll find out, you'll understand. It'll in be like great. five thousand pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, th- this is another frustration of Homesuck, uh, because not only was it a product of its time, but like the actual experience of reading it and like was so tied to being like an up to date reader at points, and the puzzles presented to you by the context of the internet, um. And a lot of that is later on. Uh, early Act 6 is hugely, like, you had to be there. Yeah. Uh, and I am really excited to get to that eventually. So that's that's my motivating factor to not fall off the wagon with this. But, that, that yeah, that's, that's, let's, let's move on and uh, close out. Because we only got a couple pages left, actually. Yeah. Um, so Rose gets to the observatory. Um, she sets up. Uh, we have this really... We first get to see Rose's perspective, and she can see the uh, meteor shower, which she doesn't understand what it means. Uh, at this point in the story, I think it's pretty easy for the reader to piece together that uh, 
those are the meteors summoned by the suburb clients. Yeah, and because uh, she stated earlier uh, that all the walkthroughs that she saw in GameFAQs, they ended around the time uh, the, the players got the Cruxite out of the Cruxtruder. Yeah. Which would mean that she was viewing walkthroughs of people who unfortunately could not progress past that point. They never uh, alchemited their... They, they never punch-carded their Cruxite dowel and then alchemited it. Yeah. In the four minutes that the game gave them. Um... I, I, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you pointed that out. The, the four minutes is not, it's not universal. It. Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. That's right. John gets the four minute timer, but there's, there's also a six minute timer at some point. Uh, I'm yeah. Just, I'm just crap shooting at homestuck numbers. And there's also, I'm gonna say there's also a ten minute timer. Uh, timers. There are timers. <laughs> there are so many timers in this fucking comic. Um. So, so Rose sets up, uh, I know that Hussey said that he wanted every kid to have some kind of important, uh, relationship to a telescope, which is another one of those motifs we just talked about, uh, a couple minutes ago, um, yeah. that didn't really pan out, like the music, like music. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of a thing every, I think all four of the beta kids have a telescope, uh, in their home or in their possession that yeah. gets used for some panel early on. Yeah. Uh, we get this really, this is one of my favorite, like, art, just, like, early, uh, minimalist hussy art things, which is the panel of Rose, uh, sitting over her laptop, stacked on the grimoire. Yeah. Hussy's art is good. It's cute. Um, and I, I love Rose's devious smile. I love Rose. Uh, Rose goes on, uh, we, we get to see Rose's desktop, which is, like, not super... There's something like crazy here. Uh, we see the her Wi-Fi connections, where we get to see the lab networks, uh, and they're all labeled uh, SN something. Which I it took me a minute to remember that that stands for Skynet, which we'll get yeah. to more later. Uh, but this is this like I've said it a million times already. But this is like Hussey had a lore setting figured out from the beginning here. I also can greatly sympathize with Rose having three folders on her desktop labeled, uh, fucking s- <laughs> Scrap Detritus and <laughs> Scrap Detritus and Leavings. Uh, I, for a long period of time when I was Rose's age, had kept everything at one folder on my desktop labeled Stuff, so I, I understand how it is. Uh, we, we, we also see her browser, which is, which I said in the last episode, um, each of the kids has a different browser, which is going to go on to be revealed to be their um oh god denizens. What? Their denizens. The one of the first major bosses of suburb. Yeah. Um, or I guess, uh, well, the ranking of it in suburb becomes insignificant as suburb spirals wildly out of control. Yeah. But the, the, yeah, the kids' browsers being monsters is a motif that does get picked up later on. Um, we go back to John's POV, uh, once they reestablish, uh, communication, where John is freaking out because he has, uh, 40 seconds to live, and Rose is very calm, uh, trying to instruct him to mess with the gameplay mechanics, uh, which is, I don't know, this is, like, part, um, 
Rose being flawed and like being obsessive over minor details, and part uh, maybe her just keeping her calm better than John does. And I'm not really sure how to interpret it, where she's still talking about how badly people write walkthroughs on game facts, while John is like, "I have thirty seconds to live. Please help me." And then there's a there, then we have a couple more pages of messing around before John uh, uses the alchemiter to create the apple punch card, and then we get our end of Act 1 flash. Uh, the end of Act 1 flash, I forgot that, like, basically nothing happens in it, mm -hmm. and that it's just a bunch of shots of the meteor coming down. I actually... I liked it. Oh, I um, like it. It's... It, 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 de it definitely gives a feeling of tension... And especially when, when the flash ends, you're, it, it leaves you with an, oh god, what happened? Yeah. Because, um, because at this point, we, the, uh, if you don't know what happens, you, you, you don't know what happens because, like, there's, there's really no hint as to where things go from here for a player of Spurb. Oh, yeah, it's, this This is a complete cliffhanger for the reader and for the player characters, where, oh, you have, you have some object that you've created, um, and you're about to die, and oh, there's an explosion. Act 1 is over. Roll credits. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> do we, do we finish Homestuck, everybody? We did it. Um, it's like, yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about with this flash, besides the visuals of it. Um... The one thing that I thought was really uh, notable, um, like we talked about last time with that intro flash, uh, is kind of we get to see John's big, huge, sprawling suburb that he lives in. Yeah. Uh, which is, spoilers, on its way out in this flash. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's another, uh, I don't know, it's like another, it enhances the feeling of, like, John being both uh, in the middle of a crowded neighborhood of identical-looking houses and also the only tangible human presence within this entire neighborhood. Even up to this point, like, Dad is undeveloped as a human. Yeah. And that's kind of more in the vein of... Um, Homestuck, at least at the beginning, is like very much about uh, the experience of just having the internet being your social life. Yeah. It's about a lot of things, but that's, that's kind of one of the things that it is. Like Sammer and early on. There's a couple of pages, uh, actually, between Act 1 and 2, that are kind of act agnostic. Or there's there's one page uh, yeah. that I, I, I decided we were going to talk about here because it's we're going to start next time with Act 2. But we get to see uh, the first uh, introduction of the uh, Wayward Vagabond, who is the best character in this entire comic. Yes, I I was about to say that. I'm 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 glad you said it before I could. Wayward Vagabond is perfect and will always be the best character. He's a beautiful boy. He's a he's my perfect son. Uh but I I like that it's um the intro to this page is years in the future but not many. Which is yeah. something that gets used a lot uh in terms of and and it kind of messes with the time scale some more for a reader. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I thought you had something to say. No. Uh, uh, there's a, 
Go, go. Okay. Uh, when I first when I first read Homestuck, I I did not care about this part. My my poor oh, my you. poor little teenager brain did not comprehend the implications of this being here. Like it it looking at it now, if if I read Homestuck now for the first time, like if it was my first time reading, um, if I got to this part, I would have I would have immediately assumed that John was dead, and that we we like everything that happened up to this point did not matter because yeah the fact that it's it's years in the future and it's a desert and there's there's a very clear like destroyed city skyline in the background yeah years in the future but not many but not many it it, it clearly (laughs) makes it sound like oh well uh there goes john's house uh and WV has found some relic of his suburb game. Yeah. But yeah, there's not really a ton to say about this besides the kind of interesting kindness of it. Um, yeah, it it definitely do, it definitely leaves like implications that you really don't know what to do with at this point. It it definitely shows that there's more going on than what we're led to believe in Act One, as we've been saying the whole time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, as we're closing in Act 1 here, uh, I know that when we were first talking about uh, doing this and how we would meter out our readings, um, both of us kind of thought, oh, well, Act 1's a bit of a sleeper, maybe we can knock it in one episode, uh, or we talked about it in terms of, like, knocking it out and, like, getting to the real meat of it. And while there's been a lot of stuff in it that is uh, less than interesting, um... It's a really good opening act. Oh yeah, uh, I I definitely think it's it's very underrated in in the fandom and by former readers. Uh, I, I I just feel like when everyone read it for the first time, we were just all little small brain babies, and we wanted to get to the trolls. Yeah, we wanted to get to the trolls. It. <laughs> and I am now savoring my time before there are sixteen characters in this comic instead of four. <laughs> Uh, I I want as much time with the beta kids as I can get, uh, before I have to catalog uh twelve more uh kids into my brain. Um, but no, I, I I I gotta say I am enjoying this surprisingly more than I thought I would. Um, I think uh I guess we can just get like this is like a closing thoughts on the act as a whole, but um yeah. I know that when we started this project, when I was initially, like, conceptualizing it, uh, I had really kind of thought the fun of this would be more so in the context of Homestuck and how it impacted the internet and how it shaped my uh, development. Yeah. And while it's really fun to bring that up, that kind of thing up and address, like, oh, well, way back when, everyone had this radically different idea of what Dave was like. I'm also really enjoying just reading the comic. Uh, yeah. It's a really awesome surprise and i'm actually really looking forward week to week now of uh oh where where are we gonna get uh this time what are we gonna get yeah i am i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah that was one of my biggest fears about this (laughs) this project was you getting into this and then you just not enjoying it yeah i yeah I, i was definitely scared of that too um i gotta say i have a little bit of fear um going much much forward yeah 
uh, because while I know, I, I expect now that I'll be enraptured throughout, probably easily throughout Act 5, uh, when I first started reading, well, when I first was reading it as a kid, Act 6, like we mentioned, was where I fell off. Um, so we'll see where we are when we get there. Uh, once kind of the interesting context has passed and it's now all reliant on homeschool story. But for the time being, um, I'm loving this. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, Homestuck is cool, actually. <laughs> and there's no shame in uh, reading it when you're uh, almost 22 years old. Finally. Finally, someone says it. <laughs> the world needed to hear it. You, you heard it here first. Homestuck is not cringe. Homestuck is based and red pilled and not cringe. And so, I, th- I think. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, you you go ahead. You- uh, I was gonna I was gonna take us to further into the close, and then I realized I hadn't given you any time to talk, and so now I feel like an asshole. So I insist you go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, re rereading Act One, uh, definitely like changed my view of Act One. Because I used to think it was kind of dry. I like to hear that from you as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think it's a really good setup. It uh, it it does a really good job of like setting up the world, setting up Spurb. It's it, le- it leaves w- with a really good cliffhanger. It I I I just think it's good writing. Yeah. Uh surprisingly good writing uh whenever hussy actually has the reins i would say (laughs) so i just realized that we completely neglected to figure out what our next reading should be (laughs) anyway uh let's take it to the close uh our our reading for next time is pages 248 through 425 uh it stops right as uh the colonel sprite finishes explaining what the mechanics of suburb are so we have some more character stuff to talk about next time we're gonna have some lore to talk about next time so next time should be a nice fat healthy episode um i just realized we forgot to name drop the podcast we forgot to name drop the podcast at the start so uh you've been listening to a uh, homestuck podcast ahp cast uh follow us on twitter at ahp cast um i'm aiden i'm john uh and uh thanks for thanks for listening to our podcast thank you you for listening thank you for listening to us talking about this stupid bullshit uh we're having a lot of fun we're hoping you're having a lot of fun um unless you haven't been listening um if you haven't die (laughs) see you next week everybody